0: This is Sermon Smith, a biweekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation, and my name is John Chandler. Very happy about the interview today, just because it's it's an old connection I was able to remake. Nick Parsons is the lead pastor of Redemption Church in the urban core of San Francisco and was someone who was in my youth ministry many, many years ago, and it's just been good to see uh, the ministry that Nick has done as he's uh, been part of a couple different church plants now and the work he's doing on a more... uh, Parachurch level of church planning is great to see. So he's a bivocational lead pastor, as you'll hear. And then alongside him in today's interview is Chris Davis, who is the teaching pastor at Redemption Church. Uh, Nick is bivocational lead pastor, and Chris is the full-time at the church teaching pastor. So between those two things, and I I thought there'd be a good dynamic just to hear how they're working through what that looks like for sermon prep, but alongside that, they are a multi-ethnic teaching team and trying to work out what it looks like for them to lead in a multi ethnic setting and lead a church that they are rapidly hoping will become a multi ethnic church. So it was great to catch up with them, of course. Uh, it's you can hear in this interview how they're still exploring and working and figuring out some of that. I hope that's true for all of us, of course. One little note to add here for whatever reason in this interview today, I'm not sure why, but my audio had a little bit of a clicking in it and uh, I'm not sure where it came from. It's actually a little annoying when you hear it. Thank goodness uh, I do the least amount of talking in this uh, conversation as I do in most of them. So if you can bear with me when you hear some of the questions I'm asking with a little bit of clicking, uh, you should be able to understand what they have to say in their shiny, smooth, dulcet tones just fine. We do have one more rating. There was no name attached to this one, but we are up to 47 ratings in iTunes. We are We are rocketing our way to 60 60 reviews in iTunes. That's our goal. So please keep them coming, those of you who have been dropping them in there. Thank you so much. And uh, as always, if you're willing to consider supporting the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash sermonsmith, where you can pledge any amount you like for each interview we do. The goal is to put out about two a month about every other week, so that gives you an idea of how much you would be out of pocket to support the podcast that way. I will probably take a little bit of a break coming up here just kind of an end of the summer uh, break like I often do in August and then we will be back in the fall. I've got some new interviews lined up that I'm really excited about. So, in the meantime, here are Chris Davis and Nick Partson's of Redemption Church in San Francisco.
1: Uh well, this is this is fun cuz Nick I've known you a long time. As I just And I've just met Chris, but as I told Chris, I met Nick when he was in high school and finally got serious about Jesus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was Nick's youth pastor. And then, Chris, um, you work with Nick, so why don't you guys tell us about where you are? Tell us about redemption in San Francisco.
2: Yeah, well, let let me jump in to say really quickly that uh, it's not too much to say that I wouldn't probably be in ministry if it wasn't for John. Uh, John was probably the first Christian a leader that took an interest in me and saw potential and gave me opportunity. And so I'm incredibly grateful to John. Um, even though we haven't stayed super connected over the last uh, 10 years, uh, at the very beginning of kind of my Christian walk, John was super influential. There's still a lot of things I think about that John said and John that you said and taught me um, that I continue to to gain fruit from. So I'm just really grateful for you and uh, thankful for your investment in me as a little punk 16-year-old, so thanks for
1: Uh, that. Well, thanks for saying so. It's good to talk to you guys. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wrap. (laughs)
2: But uh, Okay, so we're in San Francisco. Uh, Chris and I are pastors at Redemption Church in central San Francisco, uh, which is a relatively new church plant. It's about four years old. We celebrate our four-year anniversary in just uh, two weeks, and uh, neither are kind of a unique situation. Neither Chris or I started that church. We're both somewhat new. I've been the lead pastor for the last uh, roughly about two years, and Chris has been on staff as teaching pastor for the last six months. And San Francisco is a interesting place. Um, our church is uh, about uh, 150 people, mostly younger people, probably between the age of 25 and 30. Um, we are in the center of San Francisco in a neighborhood that, uh, used to be the kind of Harlem of the West, uh, but has rapidly become, uh, gentrified. And so we are trying to be a more multi-ethnic church in San Francisco, uh, but are primarily at this point, mostly younger people working in tech or finance. So yeah, that's us.
1: Yeah. And what's the, uh, talk about, I mean, well, let's let's talk about your staffing scenario, since that is a little bit unique. Because Nick, you work mm-hmm. full time for a church planning organization. Chris, are you full time for the church? I am. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But Nick's the lead pastor. You're teaching pastor. So, talk a little bit about how your staff dynamic plays out and how all that works.
2: Yeah, so I am sort of a bivocational lead pastor of Redemption and teach about 25 to 30% of the time. And Chris is our teaching pastor and leads our justice initiatives and teaches about 60 to 70% of the time. And so we, we can imagine that uh, those roles potentially changing in the future, but at this stage, feels like that's the right thing for the church. And so that's where we're at at this, at this day.
1: Yeah. And then, Nick, do you want to talk about what you're— your day job is,
2: yeah, sure. That's kind of I relevant work for the organization. Yeah, yeah. I work for a church funding organization called the Orchard Group that's based in New York City and has been uh, around for about. 60-something years planting churches, uh, mostly in New York and the Northeast, but in the last five or six years in major cities around the United States and the world. And my job with Orchard Group is called the Director of Recruitment. So I help Orchard Group make decisions about who we should partner with to plant churches. And then I also work directly with our church plants in the western half of the U.S. or Asia, sort of as maybe a project manager, helping that church planter along uh, from dream to a self-sufficient uh, fruitful, life-giving church plan.
1: Yeah, and talk. Uh, what's what would you say? Because you, you're kind of you're a hybrid of traditions here. What would you say is the primary tradition that your church would be part of?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. We are very much <laughs> a mut. Um, I, I think we uh, probably come at this all from different places, our staff, but I think we're, we're probably most closely aligned with the Reformed tradition. Um, but but didn't, I don't know if any of us really grew up, like Chris can tell some of his story. I mean, I grew up in an independent Christian church or came to Christ in an independent Christian church as a teenager. Um, and then our, our worship pastor is from a, a large mega church, but then uh, was a part of a Baptist church. And then Chris grew up kind of a historic black church. I'll let him share his story. But we all kind of came into maybe a more uh, reformed view of uh, soteriology and the gospel um, through different avenues. But we are part of the gospel coalition. And I, I think the our theological commitments are the same, but our theological traditions are pretty different in how we, how we got to those.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, would that be... Would that be up front when people find your church, uh, who especially, you know, who might be coming from another church background, would they find you because they're looking for a TGC or maybe an Acts 29 church? Or is that not necessarily up front because there are so many traditions part of it?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think people find us for a lot of ways. I think, um, our, our hope would be that people find us through relationships they have with people in the community. Um, but I do think we have transplants and people who are moving to San Francisco looking for a church and might find us through, uh, the gospel Christian website or potentially acts 29. Um, but, but I think, uh, we have a pretty diverse group of Christians and I don't think, uh, when you come to redemption, you'd instantly think I'm in, mean, um, a really heavy, uh, reformed tradition church, I think, uh, you would, you would, you would be, um, hope well, that's not the, we're not leading with that. I think we want to be centered on Jesus and the gospel, um, more than, um, the five solos or something like that.
1: Right, right. Um, well, uh, let me talk a little bit of even about how this particular podcast came about because... Nick, I just randomly thought of you one day. I mean, we still follow each other on Twitter, although I haven't been very active. Well, I follow you on Twitter. I don't even know if you follow me on Twitter, but I haven't been very active on there. And so I've kind of been aware of what you were up to. And I thought Nick would be a fun one to interview. But then when I came along and I look at the website and I see, well, Nick's the lead pastor. But I think this was probably, you know, shortly after Chris had been hired because it says, oh, we just hired this new teaching pastor. So I made a note to circle back. Uh, after Chris had been there a little while and I thought, well, it'd be interesting to interview the two of you together just because, you know, you're both, you're both integral in how the teaching would happen at your church, especially with one of you being a lead pastor, you know, while the other one's doing the primary amount of teaching. So that's, that's why I wanted to reach out and thought it might be interesting to have both of you on. Since I scheduled that, I actually interviewed uh, a couple interviews ago, I interviewed another team. I didn't realize I was going to interview them until the podcast started. <laughs> I reached out to one, and he came on with their other pastor and said, "Let's do this together." So, this will be the second one though, where I've tried to interview like two people who are primary teachers at a church together. So we'll feel our way through this, but either of you feel free to you know chime in. I'd uh, one of the things I'd really love to hear is I'm sure you both bring different uh, perspectives and different you know methodology even to how your sermons come together. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that. But so that said. A little bit before we even get into some of the practical stuff, but knowing the background of your church, what would you say the role of preaching is in the life of Redemption Church? Chris, you want to take this one?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, we may have different perspectives on that, but I think, um, you know, preaching is um, huge in the life of the church in the sense that you have the ability to. Um, help cast vision uh, from the the, the pulpit um, as well as challenge the body uh, and and so um, yeah so I think preaching has a significant role although it's not the primary role I think you know Jesus encouraged us and commanded us to make disciples of all nations and you can't make disciples from the pulpit or from preaching and so um Though preaching has a significant kind of prophetic role, um, I think it's not the end all be all. So,
2: yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, it's 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 central for us probably in the rhythms of our church. And the, if you were to come on a Sunday, that preaching moment is definitely. Uh, important but we're trying to do that as a way to facilitate the other things we also think are important worship, service, justice, community, um, evangelism, discipleship, all that and so think of it as a, a part of a, a whole and not just you know the the one the one tool we have to help make disciples and glorify God.
1: So that being said, what is what does it look like for you to plan out? You know, it looks like you guys, You maybe you do a little mix. You're doing collagens right now. I know you've done Genesis. Looks like you did a series on giving. So do you do you try to mix up some textual and some topical or how do your sermon series get projected out?
2: Yeah, Chris uh, has taken over the planning of the teaching, so I'll let him maybe talk about philosophy there. But historically, we have uh, done mostly kind of exegetical, expository preaching through a book of the Bible and maybe sprinkled in with some more uh, topical series. Uh, Usually, though, those series are still centering on a single text. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of our rhythm is mostly uh, expository preaching with uh, potentially some topics. So after this series in Colossians, we're going to do a series on the DNA of the church, and that'll be a topical series. So uh, I think we are recognize that there are chances, there are opportunities to preach topical that are great, but I think we'd love for the bread and butter of our church to be more exegetically um, oriented and our, our sermons to be coming primarily from uh, the Scriptures and explaining the Scriptures. I think that's our bread and butter with maybe some, some other stuff on, on the side to help out.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I just think it's healthy to have um, just a good diet of both the old and the New Testament, and um, and so uh, there are there are times, there are times uh, in attempting to do that that, um, for example, we we you know spent a significant amount of time walking through Genesis um, even before I was a part of the team. And, uh, and so in an effort to just have a healthy diet of both Old and the New Testament, John MacArthur would, uh, probably cuss me out for this. But, uh, <laughs> uh yeah. I don't know if he'd cuss at you. He yeah. <laughs> might not. But, um, I, I just think it's healthy to have, uh, both, um, a healthy diet of, but also leaving room for, um, you know, times that, that God leads us to just pause and, address something that comes up um, having flexibility to do that and also important topical things that come up um, and yet preaching all of those things in an expository expositional kind of way
1: yeah so like even when you're doing something a topical series you might focus on a primary text for each of the particular sermons is that what you mean Exactly.
2: exactly exactly yeah
1: yeah yeah Uh, And then how do you, as you're putting these together, it sounds like you're doing this now, Chris, how do you determine who's going to preach what sermons? Do you feel like one of you handles different topics better or is it really just a matter of what works best for the rotation or how's that work out?
3: Yeah, I I think um, we are still figuring that out as we go because we're just, I'm a new addition to the team. But uh, I do think that there may be some things that I may be more passionate about that I I really um, want to address uh, with the church. And there may be some things that Nick feels more passionate about. And we, we also have a lay elder um, that we, you know, appreciate hearing from as well as our, our worship um, and small groups team member. And so uh, there are some things that each of us feel more passionate about than others. And so um, would love for, guys to have the ability and the freedom to run in their passions but we're still figuring all of that out i am as i'm a new addition to the team
1: sure um talk about a little bit uh, you you said a little bit about your background before we started recording but broke up a little bit on me chris but i know that you know i interviewed uh pastor brian lurett's a few weeks ago, and you said you're part of his church in Memphis, which I, uh, that's a that's a multi ethnic church, I think, or is that is that more of just from a church from a black tradition?
3: It is a multi ethnic church, yeah. Multi ethnic.
1: So, and did you grow up in a multi ethnic church, or did you grow up in a church from a black tradition?
3: So, I grew up uh, for the first half of my childhood in a Church of God in Christ church, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the 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 pastor um, and, and, church planter of that church in St. Louis, um, very sound, um, Bible preacher. And, um, it's an interesting, just, uh, transition, but my mom uprooted us from that church after spending years there to a PCA church in St. Louis. And so, um, which was a very, uh, you know, came from the Randy Neighbors camp, um, very multicultural. There are times where, you know, um, we sang songs in English, but also worship songs in Spanish, even in Swahili at times. Wow. Um, and, you know, very multicultural um, and yet majority white, but very multicultural. Uh, and so um, I was a part of an all black kind of independent campus ministry um, in college, four years of college. And that was kind of my church. And um, we had worship services on every Sunday morning and went off to Memphis after college, spent nine years in Memphis. And uh, I was a part of two different churches during those nine years. One was Fellowship Memphis um, and the other church. Both were intentionally multi-ethnic, multicultural gospel Center churches.
1: Yeah, and I I ask that because, you know, I don't want to make an assumption, but my assumption is, you know, that's something you're placing a high value on there at Redemption in San Francisco as well, Um, you know, and the one thing, and I've, you know, I've talked to so many pastors who realize that's something they would long for or desire to have in the life of their church, and, you know, often... Often, where that goes to then is well, we need to start with having the leadership reflect that, which you've made that choice. Uh, maybe, maybe you guys can talk about, and maybe you're not far enough along. Maybe this is all so new, or but maybe you guys can talk about, you know, what have you been learning along the way, even as you try to incorporate that from leadership down to create the the level of diversity in the congregation you'd like to have.
2: Yeah, it's definitely new, and I definitely think we're in the early stages of um, becoming the church we hope to be. Um, I would say it seems as though, and and obviously, Chris, I want you to add all your thoughts to this. You know, that one of the most important things is leadership. And so our our elders are myself, who's, you know, uh, Caucasian, Chris, who's African American, and then an Iranian American. And so we have a multi ethnic leadership. Um, I think as we've journeyed this, we begin to become, I've, I've become more aware of how uh, our, our music style and even probably some of our liturgy needs to adjust to become uh, more um, conducive to a multi-ethnic church. Um, and I, I don't think I was. that's like a surprise, but just kind of grown in conviction, I think our staff, that we need to make some changes, particularly to music, not just leadership. Um, and so maybe it's a kind of you know you do this hurdle and then that hurdle and then the next hurdle as you move towards becoming um, the, the church you want to be uh, and I, I think that's probably where we're at is that that hurdle of what does the Sunday morning experience look like um, as we try to become more um, yeah just a more conducive environment for different people from different cultures in San Francisco to engage faith and and, and hear about Christ and become a part of our church
3: Chris what would you add to yeah that? I, I mean I would completely agree that um, leadership and music are um, the most important keys uh, to transitioning to become a more multi-ethnic, multicultural church. And yet they both are incredibly challenging. And um, I think it takes uh, a, a substantial amount of trust between leadership It takes a substantial amount of vulnerability um, and particularly when you're not planting a church this way in the early days and you're even a small church, you're transitioning a more established church. It's challenging because there's culture set and there's, there's liturgy set and there's just kind of a way of doing things and, it feels at times as if you're going against the grain which is hard. Um, yeah. And so uh yeah it 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 takes a ton of trust and vulnerability and um and, and the, the the willingness to 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 try and fail at times. Um so yeah. yeah.
1: And, and honestly what even led me towards that question? Um, I didn't have it in my notes of questions to ask, but even as we were talking about the planning and determining who's preaching, you know, I've wondered if, if even the different, you know, backgrounds that each of you come from, you just realize this particular text, this particular topic, this is going to be better coming from Chris, or this is going to be better coming from Nick. Have you even tried to see how that might be a factor in determining who preaches about what?
3: Uh, You know, I do think about that. um, And uh, I think there Maybe certain times and we're we're still young in the game uh, as it re- relates to my only being on staff for seven months so far and so um i I think that's gonna become more and more important uh, as we transition and kind of challenge the church um, in being a more intentionally multi-ethnic church and I think there will be some things that um, will be important for Nick to just speak to, and there'll be some things that, you know, it's important for me to speak to. And so, uh, and I think that's the gift of having a diverse team, um, and, you know, a, div- you know, a team with a diverse background and, and, and we have different lenses. So we, you know, the lens through which we view the world, they're, they're different. And so I think that's going to be a benefit to, us uh, as we move forward, and deciding who preaches what in the future.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about you know knowing Nick that you're full time in another job, and you preach about a third of the time. And you know, Chris, you're full time for the church. I'm sure there will be some variation here, but maybe each of you can just take a little time to talk about what does your process look like from you know whenever you start a sermon, however far in advance you're able to start it, up until. You know, Sunday when it gets preached, what does your timeline and, and your process look like?
2: Yeah, I can uh, maybe go first. Um, so for me, what, what happens is, you know, Chris is determining sort of the, the breakup of the text and the topics for the most part. We have some discussion about that. For the most part, that's something he's doing. And then uh, so I kind of look out the next six months. Maybe we have planned or three months. And then first thing I do, and this maybe is just a little trick, is I just put that text as a note in my phone. So I create a unique note for each one of those sermons that I have in the future so that I've kind of created a place to throw in anything that comes up that would relate to that text. So if I think of an idea or I have a question or I come across a resource that may be useful for that particular message, I'll drop it into that note. Um, and so that's maybe like the most preliminary kind of, and, and at times I'll just kind of scan through that to say, okay, here's, here's the text I'm going to be coming up, um, to study. Uh, but it kind of gives me questions. A lot of times it starts with questions. Um, but maybe there's resources I've come alongside. So i come across along the way. Um, when it comes to sort of probably the week of, and I'm not super, I haven't written sermons way in advance. I'm probably doing it the week of, maybe uh, a week in advance. Uh, my big thing is I just print off the text and just begin doing observations. Uh, what do I see that it's jumps out of me from the text? What questions do I imagine people uh, that are in my life and my church and my own questions about the text that they might have? Just writing those down. Um, and so trying to, before I get into any kind of real thinking of where I want to go, just making a large number of observations and questions. Um, and usually at the end of that process, which is, you know, pen and paper, um, I have a sense of what I... the Maybe the the tension I want to resolve, or the question I want to pursue through that text, uh, and may, or maybe I'll have two or three potentially, and from that stage I'll go into you know more deep study. So uh, normally read depending on the series or the topic, you know two or three. Potentially more commentaries. When I was doing Genesis, I was I was really uh, feeling like I was going deep into a number of commentaries. But uh, I bet. W- yeah, with with you know, because there's just a lot of hairy stuff. Um, but w- if it's a text I'm more familiar with, I may just be looking at a handful of commentaries in case I have some challenges. Um, I don't do lo- logos or logos or whatever, um, just because. For whatever reason, when it comes to writing, I just enjoy the more pen and paper. But I, I see people use that; it seems like an incredibly efficient resource. I'm just sort of more old school. Go buy a couple books and uh, sit with those. Um, after that stage, I probably have a sense of any things I didn't observe that were crucial, or maybe some more clarity on um, the questions i the answers to the questions I wanted to, to pursue. Um, so probably that's like a whole day for me, probably just studying. Um, probably four to six hours of just sort of study, study, study. And then at some point I just have to sit and start writing. And this is where maybe, yeah, I'm a, i am do a full manuscript. Um, it maybe it's worth saying, I feel like I'm probably built a little bit more of a writer than a preacher. And so for me, it's, it's an exercise in writing and then kind of turning that written document into more of a sermon. So I'll start, I'll write every word, um, out, and, uh, get stuck at a number of places. And huh. usually, uh, you know, either Thursday or Friday night feel terrible, like the world's going to end and I've got nothing to say and I box myself into a hole and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, um, <laughs> that usually happens at some point. Um, but, uh, one of the fun things has just been to see God continually sort of be faithful to bring truth, uh, and to bring, um, to to bring the text to life. Even when I feel like I'm often going, I don't, I don't know what to say at this place. Um, so I'll write the whole thing out and that usually, yeah, takes a a day as well. So another probably six hour chunk or something. Um, sometimes if I'm, if I'm really struggling, I might have to put in like a half day on a Saturday or something, but usually I'm done Friday night or Saturday afternoon. And what I'll do is just read that out loud Uh, read to my wife. That's probably one of the best, I I would say, stages in there as I, you know, preach the text to my wife the the day before on Saturday night. And she is very creative with, she's great stories. So she's often saying you should tell a story here or you should put an illustration. And I I sort of just think really linear. Um, And so it's helpful to have more empathetic story oriented people like my wife listen and give me feedback and so sometimes I'll change stuff around there Saturday night and then I'm almost always done um yeah by Saturday night and uh yeah which is probably late for a lot of guys uh, but it works for my rhythm and then Sunday morning uh probably wake up early read through the text a couple times pray uh a good chunk of time on Sunday morning Um, a lot of the prayer just, I'm not a really natural preacher, so I'm, I'm asking God to calm my own nerves, um, to give me confidence in Him and not in my own or lack, abilities or my lack of abilities. And then, yeah, Sunday, um, send off the slides or whatever, uh, Sunday morning before church. We meet a little bit later, so we meet at 11, so it's kind of a longer morning. Um, and then, yeah, pray, try to stay, um, not anxious, and then uh, preach.
1: So knowing knowing you're a writer and you really, you know, get a lot of stuff down on paper. What do you actually bring to the music stand or pulpit or whatever it may be with you?
2: Yeah, it's a music stand, and I have it on an iPad, a manu- full manuscript on the iPad, um, mm-hmm. and I have kind of my own you know weird code of like highlights, of, you know, or things to try to remind me to speak slowly or to. Um, to some, th- some kind of like speaking or, you know, how I'm going to say things. Coaching is kind of built into the text in a simple way. as like, you know, a little code of like pause here. Um, I try to, I've been trying to move away from the manuscript when I'm ever, I'm telling a story cause it's a little bit awkward to read a story you've written um, that, that happened in <laughs> real life. And so usually I'll, you know, have the story written, but I'll walk away and you know tell the story as I walk around or something. Uh but yeah, I have an iPad with a probably ten to twelve page full written manuscript that I'm swiping wow. through and that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um it, I always admire a few people have said this, not a lot, but a few people have said, you know, they'll share the sermon with a spouse, <laughs> you know, the day before or something. Mm-hmm. Uh has it ever just, has she ever just pretty much left you with, man, I need to scrap this and start almost over? I mean, <laughs> your your wife's a gracious woman. I know your wife, right? So I, I know she wouldn't do that on purpose, but do you ever just feel like, oh man, this is not nearly as far along as I thought it was, or is it really just helps you get those final two steps in place or pieces?
2: Yeah, I, I'm a pretty brutal self-critic. And so I'm usually walking into that time with her feeling like, this is the worst sermon that's ever been written. Um, and maybe there's something good in it that God might be gracious enough to use. And she's usually a huge encouragement, partially because she knows that's that's probably how I'm wired. There may be times when she wants to say, this is rotten. But uh, her default, I think, is to be encouraging. And I usually walk out of that feeling like oh, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Um, so she, she has never told me, yeah, you need to scrap that. But she has given me... <laughs> A lot of suggestions of like, hey, you didn't tell a single story. Um, That's like a – I know that enough now, but uh, she's often kind of reminding me even of my own stories. Like, you should talk about that thing you talk about with the kids or or that time that this happened. And I think that's where she's really helpful.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, man, I lost the question I was going to ask in the midst of all that. It'll come back to me. Oh, oh, I know what it was. So it sounds like you just because – even though you're bivocational, it sounds like you just have enough flexibility since you're, you know, doing church planning work at, with a church planning organization. That you, it's not like you're having to get the kids tucked in bed and then start your sermon prep at eight p.m. You know, on Wednesday night or anything like that. That you're, you're adaptable during the week.
2: Yeah, I'm able to flex, make my time flexible um, usually, and walk out about two and a half days uh, when I'm preaching to do a full study and write. So
1: and uh, so actually as we transition to chris here this this will be a this will be a good bridge question that kind of goes back to what i asked earlier but what do each of you have on paper from just the sermon that that's been planned is it simply a text or do you try to collaborate on some kind of you know at least theme for each sermon so that they all tie together well or how do you map all of those pieces so you know where you're starting from
3: so we'll typically have a text um for example, uh, and, and and again, it's we're we're pretty fresh in creating our systems and rhythms. Um, as I'm new on the team, but uh, we'll pretty ha- we'll pretty much have a text and um, just kind of a some main themes as it relates to the series in general, um, and uh, kind of a, a a broad direction. But then there's flexibility as it relates to, um, that specific text that you're reading. And I think, um, you know, we, you'll have a text well enough in advance that we can process out loud at times together, um, as it relates to the direction that, you know, a a specific person is thinking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll talk about how it looks for you, Chris. Talk about what your week to week looks like for a sermon.
3: Yeah, so um, typically, I view a sermon in probably five different parts as it relates to preparation and um, I'll begin um, with brief observations on monday and uh, and that's just you know Monday is our off day, but i'm I'm lounging on the couch. You know, I may be looking at the text, um, while I'm lounging on the couch and something may jump out at me. And, um, but I'm doing a ton of observation initially, um, I'm reading the text over and over again. And then I jump into word studies and, uh, I do use logos for that. And, mm-hmm. um, just to, you know, stimulate that study and, um, and so by Wednesday, my hope is the end of the day, Wednesday, I can, I can have kind of a, a very basic outline. Maybe it's kind of a three points, maybe it's four points, maybe it's, um, a few points and some sub points, but also just a main thrust and, um, you know, Brian Chapel calls it, you know, the 3am test and, and so, um. My hope is by the end of the day, Wednesday, I've got a main thrust and kind of a a brief direction of where I'm going. And Thursday is after I've got kind of that main direction, I just really want to check myself and I read some commentaries and to make sure I'm not headed off a cliff. Um, And, uh, And depending upon the series, you know, depending upon the book of the Bible, um, for example, we're doing Colossians right now. And I feel like I've uh, made my home in about three um, commentaries. And uh, and then, you know, between the end of day, Thursday, Friday, all day Friday, um, I'm just writing. And, um, my hope is to land with a manuscript and, uh, sometimes that bleeds into Saturday and, uh, you know, um, to the chagrin of my wife, we don't have children. And, uh, for a long time I pastored as a single guy mm-hmm. and I think it, I, I created some bad habits with sermon prep, um, you know, pastoring as a single guy, just having a ton of flexibility. And so, um, yeah, so that's I kind of observation, word study, um, outline and commentary and a manuscript. I typically go in to Sunday morning with, um, a manuscript, a word for word manuscript. And, uh, I try not to be glued to that manuscript and, there are sometimes uh, where there's a part of a sermon that I really don't want to. I want to give what God gave me as I was writing that manuscript, word for word, and and then there's sometimes where I just want to feel the freedom to uh, pull away from the page, you yeah. know, so I don't use it as much. And and, and even in all of that, I, I typically find the the more I preach, um, God's giving giving. Um, just more flexibility uh, as it relates to a manuscript. And, and I, you know, I just find that there are things that in the midst of the preaching moment that the Lord will drop on me that um, wasn't necessarily on the page and it comes out and, and I'm, I'm grateful for those moments. So.
1: Sure. Sure. You, you mentioned the 3am test from Brian Chapel. I don't think I know that. What is that?
3: Yeah. So he talks about um, in Christ center preaching, um, basically, if I wake you up at 3 a.m. and I'm shaking you out of the bed <laughs> and I ask you, what is the text about? You should be able to give me one sentence. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of my I call it the main thrust. And so, yeah, yeah. The one, you know, kind mm-hmm. of one sentence that kind of sums
1: up this passage. So you both um, I mean, you guys both. You get into the words, you know, you both spend time typing and manuscripting. Uh, do, do either of you find that there's a particular like, well, let me phrase it this way. Do either of you find that there's a certain way that your sermon comes together or does it seem like it's different every week? Like as you just start typing, the logic falls into place or do you have a structure that you follow?
2: Uh, it's, it's me. It's different every time. I think I i am probably working out the logic a lot as I type, as I bring clarity. Um, there are times when I have more of an outline, but usually it's kind of a sense of direction and I'm just pursuing that through the writing um, that that's getting worked out as I go. And, and it changes along the way. So maybe the logic is different or the flow of the argument or the, uh, the questions might end up being a little bit different than I thought, but I'm usually kind of working it out as I go. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah. And I typically have a basic outline and it's extremely basic. And, you know, if, if um, I'm doing kind of a unit of thought in scripture um, and say it's five verses, um, I'll have a kind of a main thought for these couple verses and a main thought from these couple verses or whatever, you know, the, the Lord is leading in for that particular passage. And, um, and so I'll begin writing from that. Um, and I I typically try to kind of remind, um, the church from where we've come as it relates to walking through a series, uh, particularly because people, rarely make it to church twice a month. So, um, and I try to do a short amount of catching up and just reminder. And, and I, and I also think it's, um, one of the beauties of expository preaching or preaching through, um, a book of the Bible is that, um, you kind of get to create some vocabulary, uh, some reoccurring themes, so that when you walk away from that series, the hope is the church has, they can palm it. They've got a good grasp of what this book of the Bible is about. And um, repetition is helpful in creating that. And so um, I try to do that every week somehow.
1: Yeah. Well, would have been you mentioned Christ Center preaching, which that's certainly been mentioned lots of times on this podcast. But what are what are some other books or resources that have been helpful for either of you shaping you as a preacher?
3: Yeah, uh, Tony Evans has a book um, that's just you know I can't even think of the name, but if you Google Tony Evans illustrations, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great book for sermon illustrations. Um, go ahead Nick Sorry.
2: oh no you're good uh, for me uh, Stott's uh, Between Two Worlds um, mm, yeah. uh, is, is probably the book that I most impact on me um, Keller's book what, is it just called Preaching or I can't yeah. remember um, that was great um, and I, I feel like I read uh, yeah there's probably some writing things that are helpful is Annie Dillard I can't, I'm trying to remember her book
1: the writing life or something yeah, else?
2: It's, I don't know if it's the writing life. So, uh, yeah, I think some of her, I've read a number of things she's written. I'm blanking on them now. But some of her stuff is helpful. Um, and, yeah, I think also just listening to good preachers. I think if I ever got good advice early that I think I've tried to lean into is uh, someone said to kind of find some people who preach maybe in a similar style to you or in some similarities that you can then you know, cause a lot of people preach very differently. So I've tailored my listening a little bit towards people that are, that I hope to emulate or are a little bit similar stylistically. And that's been really helpful for me too. So there might, they might not even be people whose sermons I enjoy the same degree as others, but out of learning perspective, they're helpful to listen to someone who preaches a bit similar to me. Um, that, that might be different at a different stage of my life when I'm more confident, but at this stage, Um, listening to someone that's a bit similar seems to help me know how to do, do me well, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I, that is, I mean, I, I, we've talked about this, I think with a few people before about it's helpful to listen to others and it can also be a challenge in finding your own voice because then you just start trying to emulate others. But I, like you say, I think there's something to be said for this person's style seems to match up well with what I try to do. And so I probably have more to learn from them than I might from, you know, this person here.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say a little small book. And if you, if you talk to uh, Brian Luritz, I'm, I, I haven't heard it, but I'm pretty confident. He probably mentioned this because I, I heard about it from him, but why Johnny can't preach yep. is um, a great text. And um, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Jared Alcantara has a book mm. called crossover preaching. Yeah. Um, which is a great work. And um, HB Charles blogs a good bit about preaching and, um, and so I found some of his stuff to be very helpful as well.
1: Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Cause I've got, uh, I've got him lined up for, to interview in a few months, well, a few yeah. weeks, a few months coming up, coming yeah,
3: he's up. A, yeah. He's a, he's, he's a brilliant dude. So,
1: yeah. All right. Um, well, for somebody who wants to keep up with, uh, with what's happening with redemption or with either of you, why don't you talk about the, uh, maybe the website address, Twitter, Nick, talk a little bit more t- to even about orchard group. That'd I- be good to share.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if you want to follow redemption, it's just at redemption SF. Um, it would be our Twitter and our Instagram redemption com is the website. Um, am at Nico Parsons, N I C K the letter O. Parsons, uh, that's my Twitter and Instagram. Um, but if you're interested in Orchard Group, uh, love, check out Orchard Group. It's a really amazing organization that I'm so honored to be a part of, um, that is helping plant churches in major, uh, cities around the world. And if you're interested in church planting and maybe an organization that, uh, is able to do things more flexibly than maybe some other, uh, models, So we, we really try to allow planters to plant uh, unique contextual churches uh, and and help let them dictate the strategy. And so uh, we are trying to do that in, in cities where church planting is difficult. And so there isn't a roadmap for how to plant a church in a lot of these cities. And so if you're interested in that, you can follow us or, or check us out at orchardgroup.com. Uh, Dot org. One of those two. <laughs> okay. I should know. It. Go ahead, Chris.
3: Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris, uh, five Davis, Chris five Davis. And also I just wanted to mention, um, just the, I don't want to minimize the value of prayer during sermon preparation and, um, something that I didn't mention that I I value deeply, um, throughout a process and uh, many days on Wednesday when I'm trying to figure out a a basic outline of just like lord help me help me lord just crying out to him that he would give direction and insight into the passage and what he wants to say to his people and so um but yeah chris five davis on twitter
1: yeah uh, and thanks for that addendum that's i mean I, I need to be reminded of that myself all the time and it's a great reminder mm-hmm. and and for the record it's the book of illustrations from tony evans is called tony evans book of illustrations <laughs> it's a <good> one. Cleverly <laughs> named. Yeah. So, well, thanks so much, guys. It was great to talk to both of you and uh, great to meet you, Chris and Nick. Great to catch up with you. Great. Great Let's to meet go. you, too. Thanks for your
0: time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Jump in and leave an iTunes review if you are able, and you're able. And also you can uh, share podcasts. I, I just enjoy seeing the tweets and the Facebook mentions that do come across. I'm not on Facebook very much these days, but I do check in sometime to see and respond there. Certainly get the notifications on Twitter, but anytime you're willing to share, spread the word on Twitter or Facebook or your email list, whoever it may be. Thanks so much for helping to do that.